Hey guys, this is Gutsy Media Podcast. I'm Bobby, I'm your host. And as always, thank you for listening. My guest today is Dan Trax. You may know him from such lovely shows as Critical Mass and uh, Friends. Uh, well, one of those is real. He selected 2004's horror comedy, Shaun of the Dead, starring Simon Pegg and Kate Ashfield. Today's show is brought to you by Ridley Gaming Realm, your one-stop shop for all things retro. And Off the Pages Travel, the no-fee, no-hassle travel agency. So a big shout-out to those two. Uh, Go check them out. Make sure you tell them DFAT Entertainment sent you. And now, without further ado, on with the show. like we're recording starting recording recording the call perfect and the shroom should kick in right about now oh, hey dan fuck. oh my god <laughs> so happy you could be on the there. show man yeah this is a once in a lifetime opportunity really yeah i mean it could be once a season if you really want <laughs> <laughs> once a week once a month whatever we'll make it work well you know what i say i say we kick out my um co-host of which i don't have yeah. you kick out rocco we'll just start our own podcast okay um <laughs> can it have nothing to do with comics though because i'm fucking exhausted with this shit. <laughs> my god so you picked sean of the dead yeah you want to talk a little bit about how you came to this movie and uh this is a very unique situation it is your format typically is that you pick a movie and the guest no 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 your format is you ask the guest what movie they then you guys talk about it and recently uh with Rocco even though I don't think that episode is up yet um it, it Rocco, will be by the time your episode comes out okay Rocco had said to you let's flip the script you pick a movie and i really like that idea so what i did is i i did my own little flavor and i said to you hey uh, Bobbert, why don't you choose three movies and I'll pick from one of those three? So you picked um, Snatch. Great movie. And then you also said Shaun of the Dead. And then what threw me was this little movie called My Blue Heaven. Right. Yeah. Which you have night- not seen. Did you, you haven't heard of it either, right? I hadn't even heard of it. And I was shocked. So I had to look it up. And then I did watch it just out of curiosity. Uh, but I still went with Shaun of the Dead. Um, I mean, I could sit here and talk about all three, but um, <laughs> I guess if I wanted to be honest, I think Shaun of the Dead for me, like there was no nostalgia with My Blue Heaven because I hadn't seen it. Right. But with My Blue, but with uh, Snatch, although I did enjoy it and it was certainly a unique movie, it didn't hold the same weight as Shaun of the Dead did, at least for me, you know, 10, 15 years ago. I, I guess the movie came out in what, 04? 04, yep. Like 16, 17 years ago now. <laughs> Which is insane because it feels like yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, typically, uh, I've, I've talked before in the past, some guests, you know, want me to watch their favorite movie of all time. Some take pleasure in the agony and, and want, you know, pick a horrible movie. Um, but you had a great, unique situation. I love it. I think you're you're a movie fan just like I am. So, um, you know, it's it's really easy to kind of, be able to discuss any movie, whether you like it or not, it's, it's easy to discuss it. So mm-hmm. I, I'm with you. I saw this movie, you know, probably half a dozen times, you know, 
10 years ago, but haven't really seen it since, at least not, not in full. I mean, you catch it on TV once in a while and, you know, maybe watch the last half hour or whatever, but had, had you seen this in full any time in the last five years? Not in the last five years, no. But I have to admit that I've been a huge, huge Simon Pegg fan. Uh, so I, I've been trying to watch anything that he's made ever. Had you, were you a fan prior to Shaun of the Dead of him? No, I think that was my introduction to him for sure. Yeah. Mine too. I didn't even know he existed. Apparently, I mean, obviously he's British or, you know, something of the English Mm -hmm. accents. Um, and he's pretty big over in England and like the BBC and those types of uh, TV shows and stuff. So he has Mm -hmm. been around for a little while. Yeah. I mean, some other notables for me of him is, uh, run, fat boy, run. Um, Hot Fuzz. Um, my God, there's just it goes on and on. There's one that I really wanted to mention for the listeners. If if you're a Simon Pegg fan, or even if you're just kind of on the fence about him, there's a movie called uh, A Fantastic Fear of Everything. Uh, and if you haven't seen it, Bob, I recommend that you do. Uh, anybody listening should should watch it. Um, visually, I I find it very unique, uh, especially the way it tells the story. I find the character extremely unique. Um, he's like a schizophrenic and uh, agoraphobic and uh, he's afraid of being murdered constantly <laughs> which um, who isn't right <laughs> right but uh, it's just it's just a wonderful fun little movie um, so give it a shot it used to be on Netflix it's since been taken off so you might have to find other sources but uh, really good but we're not here to talk about that we're uh, yeah, here I, to talk about Shaun of the Dead I've never heard of the movie. I, I heard of uh, Run, Fat Boy, Run, although I have not seen it. Obviously, you get the Hot Fuzz, and the other one is At World's End, which is the the three that him and um, Nick Frost are in. Nick Frost, yes, yes. He plays the bumbling friend here. I'm not. I'm not even seeing that that one you mentioned in his filmography. Uh, I believe so, it's called A Fantastic Fear of Everything. It might be. I have to check it out. Fabulous fear of everything. It's it's a an adjective. Fear, Fear of everything. Of everything. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's fantastic. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check it out. I, I yeah. like Simon Pegg as well. I think he's really good, and I think him and him and Nick Frost play really well off of each other. Um, they uh, so let me let me fill you in on on if you don't know already yeah. how this movie came to be. Mm. Uh, Edgar Wright, who is not only the writer but the director on the movie, him and Sean Pegg wrote the movie together. Edgar Wright was a director. Um, on a TV show called Spaced, uh, which Simon Pegg and Nick Frost were both in. And uh, Simon Pegg wasn't a regular on the show. Well, he was a regular, but not like in the main cast. He'd appear on a couple episodes here and there. And on one of the episodes he appeared in, he had played a guy who was playing, um, I want to say Resident Evil, maybe you know Final Destination or some, some video game, some zombie-based video game. Mm. The character he plays passes out. And wakes up in this zombie-like world and has to fight his way out. And when they filmed that, the two of them said, let's do an entire movie like this. And mm. they wrote Shaun of the Dead. And they cast their buddy Nick in it. And this became you know, a long-lasting friendship where they went on to do several other movies. Yeah, and it's it's... The thing about Simon Pegg and, and the movies that at least he's in, and maybe this is really more about... Um, not so much Nick Frost, but uh, who would you say the director writer was? Uh, Edgar Wright. Edgar, yes, Edgar Wright. Maybe that's more of an Edgar Wright thing, but the movies that I tend to love most with Simon Pegg are the ones like Shaun of the Dead, where there's 
bits of humor splashed in with bits of real life drama. Um, it's, it's a really nice balance. Uh, there's certainly a, a theme that he's trying to portray. There's real life, uh, humane, uh, human moments that are happening, uh, amongst chaos. Um, and, and I really like that about the movie and a lot of his stuff, this particular movie, I don't know if you noticed, but you know, I guess I, my art degree is sort of kicking in, but I've noticed the color red was, was a theme that kept popping up, whether it be the, the blotch in his uh, shirt that had to be mentioned several times, the red, the red tie, (laughs) um, the red theme in the electronics or appliance store that he worked in. Um, obviously it's in the it's in the title shot. So red, obviously being blood and and stuff like that, was a huge part of the movie. But I I like the uh, also the metaphor of you know everybody has skeletons in their closet. Well, this was everyone has zombies in their driveway. You know that kind of thing. <laughs> you know that the zombies became the skeletons, and and he's running from his problems. He's running from his skeletons, and and that was another fantastic metaphor. But um, why don't we start at the beginning? So he, he, how does he get this movie even off the ground? Because as far as I'm concerned, this was his first major movie, right? Yeah. So not Edgar Wright. This is this is kind of his first major movie. Both were you know pretty big over in England, um, and they managed to just kind of get enough funding together. The movie only cost six point one million, and I say only. Obviously, six million dollars is a lot of money, but in the yeah. grand scheme of movies, even in two thousand four, this is not really a low budget. But it's not—I mean, this isn't a big a big gamble for the studios. Mm. Uh, it winds up getting um, distributed by Universal Pictures, who who buys the movie basically finished and agrees to you know distribute it in the U.S. Uh, Edgar Wright goes on to do Grindhouse, Scott Pilgrim, uh, obviously The World's End, Baby Driver. I mean, he's he's become kind of a big name since then. In fact, I just found out he's going to be the director on the newly announced a remake of Running Man. Have you ever seen Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger? No, I have not. Oh, great movie. Really? Um, it's very sci-fi-y, which you don't see Arnold Schwarzenegger doing a lot, but it's you know futuristic, dystopia, and he's essentially on a game show for criminals where they... Have I'll to push run back. Life. I'll push back a little. I think Arnie, Arnie, especially in his early years, did plenty of sci-fi stuff. Um, yeah, I guess I guess you're right. If you're counting like Terminator, Total Recall, Total Terminator. Recall, yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. So this is kind of right up that alley where it's it's sci-fi, but it's not like you know crazy out there sci-fi. It's not you know Dune sci-fi. Oh my god, Dune. <laughs> Uh, my old my old roommate tried to get me to watch it. I said, "Dude, please turn this off. I can't do it. I can't. I can't watch Dune." <laughs> the remake is looking good. Have you seen the trailer for the remake? No. And I, they're they're finally gonna put some some money and respect into this movie, and I think it's gonna come out pretty good. I, I have high hopes, but we'll see. I guess. Yeah. Hey, Dan, this remake of Vomit is pretty good. Want to check it out? <laughs> no, no, I don't. I'm all set. Um, <laughs> So how do so you mentioned the red in the movie? It's funny. Mm-hmm. So they they modeled a lot of this movie off of Night of the Living Dead by George Romero, and obviously in that movie, red is kind of prominent up front. In fact, they modeled this so much after that movie, uh, and George Romero loves this movie, took it as a huge compliment that uh, Simon and Edgar actually earned a cameo in 2005's Land of the Dead um, by George Romero because of because of this movie. So hmm. that I thought that was kind of cool. And I, I agree with you. I think this movie does do a great balance of comedy, but not 
over the top, like, like, like the interview, you know, type of just unrealistic comedy. It's, it's very straightforward. Right. Yeah. I also, so the movie starts off and even during the opening credits, you're getting this montage of people in their everyday life yeah. and just, you know, half lazy, half bored. And I thought that was awesome symbolism for just these people are zombies even before yeah. this thing starts. Yeah, it was a nice way of drawing a connection to, between our, our normal daily lives and, and how we already behave like zombies. Right. So, so that was kind of cute. Yeah, it was very adorable. <laughs> so then we get uh, Sean, who, who's played by Simon Pegg, and you kind of, the, the movie gives you, a, a, in the 10-minute span, kind of the, the emphasis on, on his life. He lives with two other roommates, one of who is played by by Nick Frost. Um, i trying to think of his character name. Ed. Ed, his, yeah. Him and Ed have been friends forever. They're uh, living with another friend from school who's kind of an unimportant character. Um, Sean was a DJ at one point, but is now basically working at the local Radio Shack, if you will, or Circuit City or, or whatever yeah. 90s metaphor you want to throw in there. <laughs> and, it's, some, it's some kind of appliance story. All I saw were like, uh, not even TVs, but like fridges. And to right. me, it kind of looked like a rent-a-center. Yeah, like, perfect. Like a British version of that. Yeah. Absolutely. Perfect analogy. Uh, he is dating somebody, a girlfriend named Liz, played by Kate Ashfield. Uh, and she's bored. She's like, I'm tired of hanging out with the same group of friends. I'm tired of going to the same bar because you never want to do anything. And she kind of just breaks up with him. It's like, I'm not, I'm not really interested in dating you anymore because you're boring and you don't have any aspirations to change anything about yourself. Which, again, plays into the whole zombie metaphor thing. I, I right. think this opening section, this opening um, 28 minutes, if you will, and I'm just going to pick that number arbitrarily. <clears throat> well, no, this, it, it clearly was the first act. I mean, yeah. the first third of the movie is really setting the scene and explaining how and why he's such a piece of shit. Right. And you, I would even say that. He seems like a nice guy. Yeah, he is. He's just a loser. Maybe yeah, that's a better exactly. term. He's kind he's of a kind loser. Of, He's kind of peaked at, you know, 30 years old, if you will, uh, which let me let me right. kind of backtrack a little bit. Let's run through the, the stats of the movie. Um, the tagline for the movie is in a time of crisis, a hero must rise mm. from his sofa, <laughs> which I thought was pretty good. I like uh, yeah. most movies have multiple taglines. I thought that was the best. It's rated R for zombie violence, gore and language, which did you know that violence PG-13 zombie violence? Automatic R. Interesting. Yeah, which is crazy. I would imagine because it involves dead people. But as soon as you paint the blood, you know, green instead of red, you can claim they're aliens, and then it's back to PG thirteen. It's got to be some religious thing. You know, we can turn this into the critical mass <laughs> podcast here, dude. But that's that's got to be a, a religious based issue of necromancing and things like that. You know. Uh, movie is released on September 24th, 2004 in the U.S., but it actually premieres April 9th in the U.K., so um, about five months or so before the U.S. Runtime of the movie is 99 minutes, a smooth hour, hour and 40, if you will, which right. I, is perfect. It's right in that sweet sweet zone. The movie uh, has a budget of 6.1 and mm -hmm. earns $30 million. So... Oof. 
Again, thirty million—not a lot of money when it comes to movies. But when you're talking five times its budget, you know, for all intent and purposes, yeah. this movie is a success. Oh yeah, hands down. Absolutely. I'm I'm just looking up right now. Maybe you already know when the remake—and I want to be specific—the remake of Dawn of the Dead mm-hmm. came out, because clearly this is a the the title is a play on that. I mean, obviously, you said it was that the movie itself was clearly more based on. Uh, what was that other zombie Night of the Living Dead. Night of the Living Dead. Right. So when did the remake come out? Yeah, Dawn of (sighs) the Dead. I'm, I'm, you know, if I didn't, Uh, if I didn't know that this movie came out in 2004, I would have said 2006 or something. But I do think that came out first. So I'll say 20, uh, 2002. Well, I have on IMDb here. The original was 1978. And then the remake that I'm talking about says 2004. Oh, wow. Now, when in 2004, et cetera. But I, in my mind, as I go to sleep tonight and I hug my pillow, I'm going to tell myself that they named the movie as a play on words off of Dawn of the Dead, which, by the way, was a fantastic remake. I never saw the original. But have you seen Dawn of the Dead? The ori- I, I, I have. I've seen I've seen the remake. I never saw the original. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of respect for the original, but the remake was pretty good. Wasn't one, bad. Well, one thing I really liked about the remake was the fact that it was they were fast zombies. Yeah, and that clicked for me. So it's, I, funny you mentioned that. Simon Pegg was actually asked in an interview why he went with the slow zombies versus the fast zombies, mm-hmm. and his response was, "Death is not an energy drink." And I was like, "That's pretty clever. Mm. That's pretty clever." Yeah, it's good. Yeah, why would they be fast? Uh, I guess I, that makes sense. But but um, I do I agree with you. I think the fast zombie lends a little more to the movie, a little more risk there. Right. It, I, to me, you know, I grew up watching all kinds of stuff, but I never truly got into zombie movies. Yeah, me neither. Um, it never. It was like me. I mean, that that's one of the reasons why I really like this movie is that it wasn't purely a zombie movie. It's a comedy that involves itself in the world of zombieism. Which, which is great, okay, because mm-hmm. it's different. It's fun. Um, like, I'm not going to go see a musical, but if, if, you know, Camelot or whatever it is, you remember <laughs> Monty Python is doing a, a musical, I'm going to go see it. Right, Fine. yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. I, so, I also, I think, you know, now that you mentioned the whole Dawn of the Dead thing, I'm, I'll, I'm willing to bet that Universal saw this as, like, their answer to Dawn of the Dead. You know, like, usually mm-hmm. when, when one uh, studio puts out a movie – all the other studios put out something similar, same genre, maybe even yeah. same characters. Like we had that, uh, you know, Snow White and Huntsman movies across different studios. I yeah. bet you this was Universal saying, okay, we need to do a zombie movie. Here's this company that's got one already done. Let's just package it as ours and, and distribute it in the U.S. Yeah, timing is everything. So Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so what happens in the background of the beginning of this movie is you start seeing the infection spread out. And I, I love how they did this. I love that it is not the forefront of the movie. It is not the main thing taking place. It is in the background. It's on the news channels or on the radio, or, you know, you see somebody, you know, getting bit or collapsing at the bus stop, you know, and shaking and you, you see the infection spreading out. I, I love when directors and writers understand that when I sit down to watch a movie, I'm going to know what it's about. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen the trailer. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to know what the topic is. So 
they really play on the suspense of when is this zombie outbreak going to happen? Right. Because like I said, it's always kind of right there in the background and you're not really sure when, when when the switch is going to click. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also this fun adage that, or add on to the movie where not only are you seeing everything sort of break down in the background, but the main characters seem to be oblivious. Mm -hmm. You know, they're so self-absorbed in their own issues that they're not even seeing what's going on around them. And, and obviously Sean as the main character begins to get a glimpse of something that's slightly wrong, but he's too busy, too distracted by everyday life that he can't even see that every single channel he's changing on the TV is about the disaster. I, I put in my notes, Sean's life is on autopilot. Mm, like he's not even there because you had that whole montage with him walking to the corner store and you see it, you see it the first time and it's normal. And then you mm-hmm. see it the second time he does the exact same thing. But in the background, there are zombies, there's blood right. and he's completely oblivious to it. He's just on autopilot. Right, right. Fantastic stuff. It really. is, it is so much in the background. Dan, can you mm-hmm. tell me how the zombie outbreak happens in this movie? What is the cause? Oh, shit. Okay, now this is the first quiz question. Now, <laughs> is there a timer? There is no timer. I, I may do the Jeopardy theme music here in the background. Oh, I feel like it's on the tip of my tongue, but I'll gladly concede that I can't remember. So there is one throwaway reference on the radio about a space probe that re-enters the Earth's atmosphere over England. And that is the cause of the zombie outbreak. That at the is very the, end, right? At the very beginning. Oh, shit. That okay. is the same okay. cause for the zombie outbreak in The Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fun. Uh, and, and you know what? I don't even mind it when that happens. I think it's really fun when, when movies and, and writers will do that. They're obviously referencing you know, a greater movie. <laughs> yeah. I think so, it, was, it was well done. And obviously, you know, earned them the cameo that we had talked about earlier, but yeah. So, so one did one thing I did want to mention. Now you said the director of this movie, did he also do hot fuzz? Um, he does hot fuzz. He also does the world's end. So he okay. does all three of this kind of like series of movies. Gotcha. Because there was a scene and I didn't see world's end, but I do want to, um, there's a scene in hot fuzz where he been, he's in the flower shop. And the florist mm-hmm. bends down, stands up, woman gets murdered in front of him, or at least bends down and doesn't see someone standing outside the window. And you, a very similar shot happens in Shaun of the Dead. He's in the flower shop, bends down, looks up, sees something funny out the window. I think it's the guy at the bus stop or something mm-hmm. like that. And he's like, what am I seeing? And then turns around and gets distracted again. I, I don't know if that's like a, just a fun little thing that they like to do. I don't yeah, know. It's definitely, to it's, that. it's definitely a reference to one another. So originally they had, they had plans to do a sequel to Shaun of the dead. Um, uh, re- replacing the zombies with another monster. Um, they were going to call it from dusk till Sean, <laughs> uh, but it was scrapped because Simon and Edgar thought that uh, too many of the original characters had died already. So they didn't want to you know, do a sequel. Uh, but it got to the point where there's actually a mock-up poster of from dusk till Sean in the background of Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Have you seen oh, that movie? No, I have not. Yeah. So there's a reference to a, a possible Sean of the dead sequel in the Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse movie, which is insane. That's great. We'll t- talk about a crossover. 
Um, but they they ended up scrapping the the sequel idea and they just did Hot Fuzz and World's End, which are still kind of apocalyptic movies, same actors, same director, and same sort of of humor and you know background things happening to a group of people. Right. Weird things and stuff like that that you know, and, and as a viewer you like to kind of figure out as it goes along as well. Right. You know. So so Sean goes back home um, from the store as this zombie outbreak is happening, and his uh, roommate, um, Ed, tells him there is a girl in the garden. And I marked this down. This happens at 2845. Because mm-hmm. in my opinion, at 2845, almost like a light switch, the humor gets turned off, and we enter into a zombie movie. Yeah. Uh, they have to fight off some zombies and they uh, Sean basically comes up with the idea of we're going to gather all of our loved ones together and we're going to head to the pub, the pub we always go to. And then we can just chill out there until all of this blows over. Yeah. Well, I, I, let me, let me push back again a little bit. I don't know that I would call it a light switch of turning off the humor. I think what that did is it slowly introduced new ways of them to find humor. For example, when they were throwing the records at the zombies, because they figured that, they could stab them in the head and they were deciding which records yeah. were worth destroying. And they were like, Sade, like, all right, you so know, this stuff is, like that. This is a lot like I, I, my comments on killing them softly with Lauren in season one. There, there are scenes that I know as a functioning human being mm-hmm. that these are humorous scenes, but almost like Martian Manhunter, I can't seem to like laugh yeah. at them. Like, right, but but the part of your brain goes, this is comedy, right? right? right. Yeah, so you know it's, that it's happening. It's yeah. like one of those things when you're around other people, you kind of do like the fake, the fake smile. If you see somebody watching you, like, no, I'm I'm a human. I'll I can laugh to this. It's, it's I think growing up, I did the same thing with bands. Like there were a lot of bands that I didn't necessarily want to buy the CD to, but I could easily go, yeah, that's a good band. Like I know they're talented. Like I get it. I know why people like. <laughs> STP. I understand it, but I don't need to own their music because they're on the radio constantly. Like I, I don't know. Right, and that's so how I, I think felt, that's yeah. That's how I felt by a couple scenes, and the, the record one being one of them. And like I'm watching it, and I'm like, well, clearly this is in here for humor. Right. But I don't know. Maybe I just I never owned a record, so I didn't get it. I, I don't know. Yeah, I I think it's just more of a musical. Like you know, it's a one of those. It's a it's a pillar for them to stand up on and make fun of the world. Instead of making fun of themselves in that moment, they're actually pointing the finger at the world, at, at things outside of them, like Sade, for example. <laughs> so that that's true. So he the 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 center part, the second act of this movie is them driving around. They want to get Sean's mom. Mm-hmm. They want to get Sean's girlfriend, um, and that is accompanied by her roommates and her mom's her, her his mom's new husband, mm-hmm. his his stepfather, which he refuses. His stepfather. To, Right, he refuses to call them, call him stepfather, yeah, or call him dad, yeah. Right. Who? So, uh, I mean, is there anything about the second act that you specifically want to talk about? Well, I think one of the most important aspects is that the second act is about discerning where they will be holed up, and and the Winchester is one of the biggest metaphors of the movie. It's his safe zone. It's his comfort zone. It's where he feels like himself it's it's his fallback earlier in the first act he 
cannot, of course, because he's a loser, like I said, figure out a place to go to dinner, waits to the last minute, because his girlfriend had given him a last chance, remember? And so he was like, all right, last chance. I'm taking you out to dinner summer special. I'm, I'm not an idiot. We'll figure this out. And then, of course, he waits to the last minute. There's no reservations available left. And so his buddy Ed is like, just go to the Winchester. And he's like, yeah, I got... The flowers, by the way, that were supposed to be for his mother. <laughs> that was great. He decides to give to his girlfriend as an I'm sorry, I fucked up. The only place I could find was the Winchester again. So she's mad. She's like, we're done. You're an idiot. You're a loser. And and that's why I think the, the Winchester is such a huge part of this movie, because not only is it part of his problem, but it will become the thing that actually saves him uh, in a way. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I can agree with that. I think there's some flaws in there because, you know, obviously the the Winchester, you know, ultimately becomes the place where most of his friends and family die. And, um, (laughs) and we can talk about his story arc, you know, at the end of the movie, because I have my own opinion on that as well. But, um, but I agree with you. I think the Winchester is a main part of the movie. It's a main, uh, it's a, it's a character, if you will. I, I do love the scene early on where you know he breaks up with his girlfriend. He goes to the Winchester with Ed, and they're sitting at the table. And Ed's trying to make, trying to cheer him up. You know, he just broke up with his girlfriend. He's a little upset, and he tells Sean about like, well, there's there's people here at the at the Winchester. There's some interesting mm-hmm. people. And Sean's like, what are you talking about? And he goes around the room and kind of like points out different people and gives what you can only assume is some sort of made up story about how Silly interesting they are. story. Right. Yeah. And it was great. I, I yeah. love, cause who hasn't done that? A little bit of people watching oh, yeah. kind of, you know, it's, it's awesome. And he does it in this comedic way. And you, I think that also strengthens their relationship as far as character development goes, because you see that not only is Sean, you know, have Ed's back and has been kind of sticking up for him, you know, to everybody, but, even Ed, I mean, Ed's got Sean's back too. He might be a loser and not, you know, pay his way, but he's there to make you laugh. And he does like a funny monkey impression just to cheer up his buddy. So right. I think that kind of built on their relationship a lot too. Yeah. Which we'll see in the, in the sort of third act, you see Ed come to Simon or Sean's defense with a broken beer bottle. <laughs> Do you remember Conan on Nintendo? Oh, how about Earthworm Jim on 64? That was my jam. Do you wish you still had it? Or maybe you have it and you're looking to clean out your collection and make some extra cash. Luckily, either way, we have the answer for you. Ridley's Gaming Realm. It's a one-stop shop for great gaming discussion, as well as a place for retro buying, selling, and trading without all the fees and drama of the other selling sites. They pride themselves on having over a year of zero reported scams. And you can find them on Facebook. Just search Ridley's Gaming Realm, that's R-I-D-L-E-Y-S, or click on the link in the show description. And make sure you tell them DFAT sent you. You know, me and my family just got back from our trip to Florida. We did a whole Disney thing and Universal, but it wasn't just that. There's hotels and rental cars and airfare, and God forbid you drive. And with two small kids, the whole thing almost tore my family apart. (laughs) Next time my wife talks about a family trip, I'm talking about Off the Pages Travel. Off the Pages Travel is a travel agent unlike any other. From before booking until after you return, they got you covered. And the services are free, no cost to the client. So make sure you check out Off the Pages Travel by following the link in the show description. And don't forget to tell them DFAT sent you. As far as the second act goes, 
I'm I'm not trying to play it off like the second act wasn't good. I do think it was good. I like mm-hmm. I like the whole him and his stepdad thing and that kind of you know sentimental moment they have because his stepfather gets bitten and, and eventually turns. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they managed to you know reconcile the relationship prior to that happening. So I I like the second act. I just don't think there's anything of note really. I mean I look yeah. at the middle part of this movie. And, you know, everything from kind of 30 minute mark to, you know, maybe an hour and 10. And I'm like, there's not really much to talk about. He, you know, rounds up the gang and they get to the Winchester. Yeah, I think a lot of movies fall into that trap of where the second act is really just a bridge between the first and the third. You know, it's just it's a building up of what the third act will be. And right. Fortunately, it loses some creativity and some fun. A lot of that is the traveling through the backyards together as a group, you know, and running into that other group that seems to be doppelgangers of their group, <laughs> uh, you know. So there's fun little things in there, but uh, I mean, that's how I felt about um, Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers. That movie was just three hours of of things walking through the woods. Right. <laughs> you know, it's. And and that's okay if you're really into it, but a hundred percent. There's yeah. nothing again. There's nothing wrong with the second act. Yeah. I just ultimately our goal here is to determine if this was a good movie. And I wouldn't be doing it justice if I said that this second act was really anything besides a bridge between Act One and yeah. Act Three. Yeah. So Act Three is they make it to the Winchester. Um, they have a little bit of an issue getting inside and involves breaking a window and essentially drawing the attention of many of the zombies in the neighborhood. Cause I mean, obviously the Winchester is a bar on the corner of a street in a, in a, at least a town environment, if not a city right. environment. So, but they make it inside and they're good for a little while. They're, I think they're you know actually eating peanuts and sitting at a table and, and being somewhat cordial to one another. Um, Obviously, Sean and, and Liz are still broken up, and sh- and Liz's roommates don't like Sean, so there's some tension there. But ultimately, the apocalypse is happening, and they're they're doing okay. Mm-hmm. Then you have the the zombies start breaking in, and they, the jukebox starts playing, and the song on the jukebox, uh, specifically picked by Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright, because they said it was the most positive song they could find, which is Queen's Don't Stop Me Now. <laughs> they have a great scene where they're hitting one of the zombies to the beat of the song, which I I, yeah. I love this scene. I don't even know why I love this scene, but I just love this scene. I mean, if a song like that is playing in the background while you're beating something to death... Why not synchronize? You know, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, What's interesting li- about that that third act, though, is when they get to the Winchester, it's that crucial moment of breaking into the window, as you mentioned. It does draw attention, and the rest of the group thinks we're in the clear. But when Simon Pegg's uh, character Sean goes into the back to check, I think the electrical grid or something like that. Right he notices that there's a zombie at the window and they're like right there, but he keeps it to himself. And that's an interesting choice. Um, I don't know if you've thought about that at all. I I did. Why do you think he did that? I don't know. Um, I think it plays into his character, uh, and his unwillingness to confront the real issues in his life. Yeah, absolutely. I I think there's, 
there's the the on the surface reason, which is probably you know you just don't want to make anybody mad or or, or get anybody worried. But right. I think there is that you know symbolic reason of he's at the Winchester, he's hanging out with his friends. This is kind of what he's always done, and and part of the reason why he broke up with his girlfriend is because he he doesn't go past this, and he didn't want to screw it up with the zombie right. revelation, right? Which is crazy that this comedy about zombies it really does get deep. Like there's some deep undertones in this movie. Exactly. Um, which is a beautiful thing because again, the zombie thing had become a trope and this was a really interesting way of playing out using zombies to really play out what's wrong with a lot of us. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, so uh, a, a bunch of people die. Um, pretty much everybody that they brought to the Winchester minus, Sean, Liz, and Ed, uh, including David, Liz's one of Liz's roommates, who I, I made a note here when I was watching the movie, he dies a pretty graphic death. Yes. He yes. is pulled out of the window and while still alive is essentially ripped apart with <laughs> like his entrails first. Yeah. Kind of caught yeah. me off guard. Well, to be honest, there were some scenes earlier it, that just some of the bites I thought were a bit gory, which is weird because the older you get, you know, you maybe you're, you lose your edge. I don't know. But like, I remember watching this now. I was like, oh, my God, this is awful. Like, I cringe. Not like this is bad, but like I it really just caught me off guard. The the bite mark and how deep it was, I think, on his mom Ooh, yeah. in her wrist. Oh, my God. It was so deep and so bloody. Very real. I just oh oh awful but yes interestingly the way that his girlfriend's roommate's boyfriend mm -hmm. the guy who admits to having a crush on his girlfriend right on Liz and and then pulls a gun on it on Sean <laughs> yeah. ends up dying because I mean the guy was just painted as kind of a turd the whole movie and yeah. then comes up to be a real asshole uh, it's so the way he dies is sort of a fun fan way of saying, well, fuck you. You're definitely the guy who should die by having your guts ripped out. And it yeah. was just unreal. I remember the movie, the cell. Great movie with That's, uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Lopez, Lopez. Yeah. and uh, Vince Vaughn. And there's a scene in there where Vince Vaughn's guts are like pulled out slowly and he's like tied down watching this demon character do it. And he's just like screaming at this thing. I'm just, it's stuck in my mind, dude. Yeah. That's Ugh. a great movie. I mean, listen, nothing against Jennifer Lopez. I think she is a pretty decent actress, mm -hmm. um, but she has had kind of a very crazy career when it comes to good movies and horrible movies. I mean, Gili goes down as arguably one of the worst movies ever made. Um, mm. And, yeah, I'm, I'm not even sure if I know what you're talking about. I know that she did a bunch of like rom coms as like a wedding person who's also a maid. I mean, get off, <laughs> gives a shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> Lifetime movies are probably better than that shit. Probably, and I'm sure she's been in a couple of those too. Yeah. Um. So we got just the three characters left. You have this this really pivotal or pivotal moment mm -hmm. where the zombies are full on attacking and breaking through every known area. They manage to make it down to this cellar type basement. Um, but on the way Ed gets bit, I, I, in fact, I think he gets bit actually protecting Sean, um, which again shows that relationship and, and the sacrifice he's willing to make. 
Um, but ultimately, Liz and Sean are able to make it out. They get kind of rescued, and the movie comes to, to pretty much an abrupt end, um, albeit there is one scene left where Sean and Liz now have a house. Uh, it's it's some period of time later, although not very distant in the future, and um, Sean's essentially got Ed as a pet in the back, backyard, and he goes out there and plays video games with him in the shed. Yeah, yeah. Is that... Which, so- what's that movie? Um, hmm. Another great, actually great couple of movies that are zombie movies. Um, fuck. Jesus Christ. This is an old man trying to figure out. Talk um, about zombies. Jesus Christ. One of the most well-known zombies. <laughs> we just celebrated his rising. <laughs> um, it's a fast zombie movie. There, there were two of them. It was apocalyptic. Um. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not not Resident Evil. I'm assuming no. Two of them. Uh, the the second one that had one of this the is scariest... a game now. I am in. Describe the second, it. Let's go. The 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 sequel had one of the scariest scenes in my opinion ever. Um, it's the one where the 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 pupil of the woman of the mother is the different color, and so that's how you know that she's like immune to it. <sighs> is this is this like one of the the made movies or the nun movies? No, 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 no. It's a zombie movie. It's in it's in England. They're traveling. Oh, it's um when the what's his face wakes up in the hospital gown in the hospital he's a zombie and he walks down the street. Oh, and it's 28 abandoned. days later. Yes, 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 yes. 28 days later. Um and and in 28 days later, remember they kept one of them. Yeah. On a chain to sort of like see what would happen to him. And that's sort of that's what reminded me of that. Absolutely. I I I think that's a good callback. Yeah. Um, which I believe 28 Days Later came out before this movie, so that could very well be what they were, you a know, fun play on that. Yeah. Here's uh, what I'm going to ask you. Go ahead, go ahead. This is really important. Okay. You and Rocco, Sean and Ed, which which one's which? Oh, my God. I'm who's getting clearly, tied up? Who's getting tied I, up in the shed? I'm clearly Sean. I, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> come on. Come on, farting in his own stench while playing video games? Does, does that not sum it up for you? That is Rocco. <laughs> That's Rocco. great. I, I can't wait to hear that conversation a, when, the, when he hears this. A cheap, smelly piece of shit. I mean, <laughs> that's what it comes down to. So the the movie, I think it's, it's you know, let's before we get into whether or not we like the movie, mm-hmm. let's uh, let's play a little game I like to call The Three Questions. Drum roll, please. So we got three questions. Uh, I'm going to ask you uh, as it pertains to 2004's Shaun of the Dead. And this is hopefully going to help us answer the question of whether or not this was a good movie. Okay. So starting with question number one, what was the message of the film and do you agree with it? Ooh, what was the message? The message was get off your ass and don't be a zombie in your own life. And, and I agree with that. I think that you are your own worst enemy. And at the end of the day, he was the one that he had to fight. He was the protagonist and the antagonist. And, and I, I do agree with that. 
So this is where this is this is my interesting take. And uh, as I referenced earlier, when we talk about the story arc of Sean, I think you kind of expect it to be that message. You expect it. Here's this lazy guy mm-hmm. who wasn't doing much um, and his life was going to shit and he gets off his ass and you should get off your ass. And that's the message and gung ho. Everything's good. Mm-hmm. Here's my here's my crazy take. OK, Sean doesn't have a story arc in this movie. What saves him, what saves him from dying is his love with Ed, his best friend, his love for going to the Winchester, which is where they wind up. And at the end of the movie, he's still playing video games with Ed. His life hasn't changed. The only thing that's changed is Liz has come around and gone from hating him doing that to being okay with it by the end of the movie. So my hot take is that the movie's message is stick to your guns, be who you want to be, and fuck the rest of the world. Wow, that is a controversial theory. Mike, drop. <laughs> that is controversial. Um, and I don't disagree with it, actually. It, I'll still, with a gun to my head, I still think I'm right about it. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> but I, I really like that take. At the end of the movie, Winchester's still in one piece, although it was shot to bits. The owner's dead. Um, But 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 like you're right. Like as a character, he was right about everything. The Winchester's the place to go. Ed's great, you know, and the girlfriend has to play along. Yeah. Like, but I do think that he did have some character growth along the way. I think he resolved his issues with his stepdad. Uh, I think. I think at the end of the day, as a character, he realized that his relationships with other people are more important than anything else. And you yeah. would hope, you would hope that, that, that he's learned those lessons. The question is, did he? I mean, who else has he got? All he's got is his girlfriend. I mean, clearly he wanted her to, from the beginning, and he was willing to find a place to eat to, to change the course of their relationship if he had just not waited to the last second. But... Wow, what a what a crazy theory that is. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll agree to disagree. Um, yeah, <laughs> so I don't hate but, it. I I don't hate it. I mean, I guess you know what? I got him on. Um, remember Speed Dial? Yeah, I have Speed Dial. I call Simon Pegg right now. Hold on. Dude, <laughs> you've friend. had him on. You know him. You know him. Uh, question number two: How did the movie leave you feeling, and do you think it was intentional? Uh, it left feeling, the, I guess, a feeling of uh, not gratitude, but just um, what's the word when you when you're done eating and you're just like that was filling. I'm filled. I'm fulfilled. Fulfilled. That's a you good know. Question. I watched some, I watched the zombies get bashed to death, and I laughed along the way. And it's Simon Pegg, so I'm fucking happy. So, and I, and I think that was. I do think that was the point. I think it was supposed to be fun, lighthearted. Uh, and at the end of the day, just make you happy, and that's that's the idea. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. I'm actually going to steal uh, the words from Rocco's playbook when he was on the show. I I'm sad. I'm entertained. I'm I'm yes. entertained. The movie was entertaining, um, and you know that's obviously going to be a spoiler for for what we're going to talk about after the questions. But last question <laughs> is, uh, what is the most important sequence in the movie? Ooh, most important sequence. Shit. I mean, you'd have to think 
in the third act, probably as he's saying goodbye to Ed because he thinks Ed's going to die. And he and Liz are, are about to make an escape. You know, he's basically thanking Ed for everything. Um, which some people watching that might say, well, why would you think this guy, he's been nothing but kind of a, a drag and a, and a pill. But, you know, I think it's important to see that to Sean, he's realizing that, again, this might play into your theory, everybody in his life was like he was right about everybody because remember how many people made fun of ed they were like criticizing him his oh, like roommates, his girlfriend yeah. like everybody was was shitting on ed and throughout the movie sean was just like leave him alone in fact i think he said that two or three times oh mm-hmm. leave him alone you know and that's interesting because right at the very end as ed does save his life essentially and he's willing to say okay ed you have to stay here and die while we escape he was like thank you Mm-hmm. You you stood up for me, and I can't even repay that to you. And that's a beautiful little scene as he's willing to say, okay, me and my girlfriend are now going to escape. I don't know. For me, that sticks sticks with me. Yeah, I mean, this is actually, this isn't usually a difficult question. Um, most of the movies we watch here, it's really a toss-up between three or four different scenes that tend to be very pivotal and monumental in the movie. This movie's really unique because I don't think any single scene really stands out as being like, you know, hugely impactful. Um, if I had to pick one that, you know, by definition of the question is the most important scene, I, I, I guess I've got to go... Oh man, this is tough. It, it would it would have to be. Um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with you. I don't mm-hmm. usually like to pick a scene at the end of the movie because I like to pick the scene that's really the turning point of the movie. But yeah. there really isn't one scene because the zombie apocalypse is happening in the background. There's no real scene that we see that impacts that. You know, the, the zombie apocalypse is going to happen whether, you know, him and his girlfriend break up or not, whether, you know, he goes to his job or not, whether he gets into the fight with the roommate or not. So that final scene, like you're talking about, where he tells Ed, you know, thank you when they have that that moment, that was probably the most important in the in the film because it's really the culmination of what, you know, has been in the forefront. So I agree with you. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, when his mom died, it was clear to him how much his mom meant to him. Right. And, and, and you know, the whole issue with his stepdad and, and all that, because he kept blowing his mom off. His stepdad had mentioned that he didn't even bring her flowers, I think if it was for Mother's Day or her birthday, something like that. Mm-hmm. But the, I th- maybe I think it was her birthday was the reason why they were supposed to be going over there to begin with. And so his stepdad was like, you know, maybe you could bring flowers this time, you fucking loser. <laughs> Like you didn't last time. Uh, and yeah. then, of course, he not only does he not make it because of the apocalypse, but he gives the flowers away to his girlfriend that had just dumped him. So it seems to me at that point in the movie that his mom was really low on the totem pole of important people in his life. But then when she, when she gets injured and when she starts to die, it becomes clear to us that his mom really, really, really was very important to him. Yeah. And and. I think when it came time for her to turn to a zombie and it was like time for her to go, that's when you see this very interesting turn. The roommate's boyfriend says, let's fucking kill her. And he's like, that's my fucking mom. Right. And he starts to lose control. 
I think you start to see his character start to break as like, I can't handle this. This is too much. I'm done. Yeah. Uh, so that I would argue maybe maybe that too, but that from that moment, from that mar- minute marker until he's ready to leave Ed to die is is a really interesting series of events. Yeah, I think it's it's the growth of the character if there is any, mm-hmm. uh, which is totally backpedaling on what I said earlier. But I mean, I think him stepping up when they're at the Winchester to say, "No, I got this," you know, um, might be the growth that he needs. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, here it is, Dan. Uh, what do you think? Was this a good movie? Yes, I think it was a good movie. On the scale of meh to good, yeah, it leans good for sure. It's fun. There's zombies. There's blood. There's comedy. It's Simon Pegg. It's Simon Pegg. <laughs> I, here, here's my thing. Was this a good movie? Yes, I agree with you. It was a good movie. Here's what I will say, though. Mm-hmm. This was not as good as I remember it being. I remember mm. this being an awesome movie that I really liked and that I thought was really funny. Watching it this time around, I don't know if it's that I've gotten older or my memory has gone a little bit from the last time watching it. I'm going to give this a 6 out of 10. Uh, when it comes to whether or not it makes my top 10 movies that we've covered on the podcast, mm. I always have to go to the list and say, you know, if I add this, what do I knock off? And if I add this to my top 10, I knock off the Sisters Brothers which is what we covered the end of season one with Chris and Casey. Would I, which one would I prefer to watch Shaun of the dead or the sisters brothers? And I, I, I get, I think I'd go sister brothers. I mean, it's a, it's a, they're both wow. decent movies. Um, but I can't, wow. I can't squeeze this into my top 10. I don't think. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, obviously they're very different movies. One's very dramatic yeah. and ends in a horrible, horrible way. Um, but, you know, Shaun of the Dead, I think what was great, and I have to agree with you, watching it older, especially this many years later, I do think it loses its luster. Mm-hmm. And what was so illustrious about it was that it was so different and unique. It was a zombie movie during a time when there, and obviously there have been waves, right? Like 70s, zombies. Man, like early 2000s, zombies. Man, right. and like now zombies again. Okay. But in that middle wave there, at least for our generation... It was like, okay, another zombie movie. At least this one was so special and different. And that's what I loved about it. I love something that goes against the grain. Or at least uses the momentum of something else and makes it its own. I love that. So for me, that's what would take it out of a six and into a seven. But I wouldn't go any higher than that. You know what you, I mean? You know what? You you convinced me. I'm making okay. this a seven. And that extra point that I'm giving it, I'm going to call it nostalgia points. And the reason why I'm going to do it is this. I think you're 100% right. I think, you know, I, I talked about this before in the podcast. But part of the reason why I'm not big on going back and watching movies that I've already seen before is because I think you lose something when you know what's going to happen. And I think you're 100% right. When this movie first comes out and it's really kind of the first of its kind being a semi-serious zombie movie along with a comedy about a middle-aged man it's it's the first time you watch this there's some appreciation for the the newness and the 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 you know fresh drink of water that it is and when you watch it again it loses a little bit so i'm gonna i'm gonna give it that extra one point for nostalgia reasons and say that this is definitely a seven you know if you're watching it for the first time golf clap golf clap lovely (laughs) lovely Uh, so now let's play everybody's favorite game. Guess that tomato.
All so right, is... the Rotten Tomatoes game. Yes, yes. Yes. So you're familiar with Rotten Tomatoes, I assume. Yes, yes. Rotten Tomatoes has a uh, critic score and an audience score for all of their movies. I'm going to ask you to guess what the audience score is, and then I'm going to give you a couple hints, and we'll see if you want to change your guess. Sure. Uh, well, first of all, I don't think Rotten Tomatoes existed back then, right? Um, that's a great question. I don't know when Rotten Tomatoes first came out. I, I would think it's kind of around this time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, Rotten Tomatoes was one of the early onset movie rating websites. Yeah. So I would say it's probably right around 2004, okay. 2005, but I'll have to check on that. All right. So let's see. I, obviously, we've just, you know, as we've just said, I think clearly critics might tear this one apart, you know. So I would assume that the audience probably likes this a bit more. I'm going to say audience gives us an 86% and critics around 70. Okay, 86% for audience. Uh, yeah. So real quick, Rotten Tomatoes was started in 1998. So earlier than I thought. But yeah, I mean, still six oh, years oh, prior to this. Go. So uh, you said, I'm sorry, you said 86 86 audience. Yeah. 86 audience. Okay. So here are your hits. Um, I am going to give you the critic score. Uh, okay. 212 critics rated this movie in 92. What? I'm, yeah. Which is wow. crazy, especially for critics. Yeah. Uh, I'm also going to give you three movies that are within 2% of Shaun of the Dead. Uh, okay. So plus or minus 2%. Movie number one, Uncut Gems. The movie loosely based on what it would happen to Adam Sandler had he not become an actor. Movie number two, El Camino, the Breaking Bad movie. Uh, from the creators of Breaking Bad, it's everything you hated about the show and nothing you asked for. And movie <laughs> number three, Avengers Game, Avengers Endgame, the movie that brought the end to all of the best character story arcs only to start the endless conversation of whether or not those characters would return in the future. Okay, so... Have you seen any of these? Uh, I've seen Avengers... And not, um, shoot, what was the second one you said? El, El Camino or the didn't Uncut see El Camino. And I didn't see Uncut Jebs, although I want to. And I know that as far as the audiences go, they loved Uncut Gems. Um, I would assume they love El Camino because it has a huge cult following. Um, and, I mean, Avengers movies in general are typically beloved by the fans. And I'm pretty sure that last one knocked their teeth out because I saw Avengers Endgame and I had to drive home with the windows down and the radio off because my mind was on fire. <laughs> so, like my senses, not like I didn't like have to think a lot for the movie, but like my senses were just like, dude, like we need to shut down. So I'm going to say audiences loved all those. So I'm actually going to go higher. I guess I'd, I guess I'd re-guess at like a 95%. Wow, 95. Yeah. Uh, so here's what I'll say. Uncut Gems, me personally, don't waste your time. It was, it was a bad okay. movie, in my opinion. Although yeah. you're 100% right. Audiences loved it. It got great reviews. Right. Um, El Camino, the, the Breaking Bad movie. Did you watch Breaking Bad? I couldn't get through five episodes. I don't know why. Wow. I, it's, not, it's, not like, it's not like I hated it. It's just like there was there, nothing like grabbed me and said, watch the sixth episode. Fair I don't know enough. why. I don't know why. Uh, I was a Breaking Bad fan. I liked it. Uh, I will say that I think the movie, it, it just, it, it doesn't, I don't know how to describe the movie. It, it doesn't matter. The movie, I could care mm-hmm. less about the movie because it doesn't answer any of the questions that we had about the TV show. It doesn't carry forward the story at all. It's just kind of like, 
okay, here's more Breaking Bad content if you really want it. So that's my opinion. But okay, you, I, I it doesn't really matter because nobody agrees with me as as you didn't and shouldn't have. You are <laughs> the audience score for Shaun of the Dead 2004 is. Ninety three. So you okay. said ninety five. You were really close. Yeah, ninety three is probably the highest audience score that I have seen uh, on any movies that we've covered so far. Uh, I can't guarantee you, that, but it's pretty. It's insane. And you said the critic score was ninety two. Ninety two. Which again, you never see the critics in the audience yeah. actually agreeing on something. Yeah, that's very rare. Again, I think maybe it's that whole thing. Like it was just so fresh, people just kind of liked it because it was different. It, it must have been, and obviously it's yeah. held up because the score is held up over over years. So, um, so before I let you go, Dan, I've got a uh, you know it's a firm belief of the owners that don't forget a towel that everybody geeks out on something. While it might not be movies and comic books, maybe it's you know drinking at your local pub and fighting off zombies. So I got to ask you, Dan, what is it you're currently geeking out on? You know that's such an interesting question. I've got four kids that live with me, and I'm, you know, I'm. I'm on vacation right now, meaning from work. So for the last week, I've just been working on this house, whether it be plumbing or fixing or preparing for this giant jungle gym swing set that my dad purchased for everybody. <laughs> like, it's just been constant work. I ran into the mailman who delivers our mail, and I'm a mailman myself, and I know him from our station. And I said to him, like, dude, like, I work harder when I'm on vacation than I do when I'm at work. <laughs> like, I can't wait till I go, to go back to work so I don't have to work so hard. Uh, so it's interesting. It's like, what are my true passions? What, what do I get really nerdy about? And I would say that other than, like, sports, like, for example, I have very specific sports, like football. I'm waiting for football. That's going to be a big deal for me. But, like, right now, I'm also on the fringes watching what's happening happening in the soccer come to the Dutch national soccer team. I have a huge following with them. My one part of my family is Dutch. I mean, I have many facets of, as you can see, I'm a very tall white person. So, you know, my, my European heritage is like all over the place. But <laughs> my grandfather was conceived in Holland, came to the U S brought back to Holland. So like, wait, I feel like, wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. Was conceived or was born? No, conceived in Holland. And then born in the States. So he was a natural. Uh, this yes, is, this is the story. This is, this, is a fa this is a family known fact. As yes. your grandfather was conceived. Yes, my great grandmother was pregnant with him when she fled the family because my great grandfather was an alcoholic, abusive asshole. Holy so cow. she fled to the United States, right? Had my grandfather amongst some other kids. I think other kids were already born, but they all left. And then he came to the States and found them and said, bitch, get your ass back to Holland. Jesus. So they left. They went back to Holland and lived there for a while until the whole group said, all right, fuck this. We're going back to the States. Yeah. That's an incredible story. Oh, I mean, if I could get my uncle Neil on here, he would just go all about it. Let's let's that's our, that's, that's our other podcast. call. Call uncle Neil. We're doing we'll, it right now. We'll do a whole family tree. But so that's, <laughs> So I had this like weird like obsession with the Dutch national team because they're, you know, they kind of have their own unique specialty and so I follow them, I follow the the Dallas Cowboys. And um 
but really like I've, I've, I've built myself a workspace here in the garage in the, in the basement. And I just want to tinker with stuff and be left alone. That's really what I want to geek out on is not Absolutely. being bothered by the kids. That's how, you know, you become an old man when you watch Shaun of the dead and you think, man, Sean really had a good thing going right there. <laughs> <laughs> same group of friends, same pub, nothing crazy. Just going, to, just, just drinking warm beer. Is that a thing, by the way? Do I kept looking at their beers, going, I wonder how warm their beer is. I mean, I I know some places uh, warm beer is is typical. In fact, I think, and I could be wrong, and somewhere somebody's yelling at me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure that cold beer is really kind of an American thing. I think in Europe yeah. it's served at like room temperature. Oh, that's so weird. That is weird because it's gross. I mean, w- cold beer is just so amazing. I got I got about seven to eight people coming over to my house tomorrow to help build this jungle gym thing. And I got a 30 rack of blue and a 30 rack of blue light. And they're going to be on ice. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, what time do you want us over? Because I am down for this. <laughs> We're starting at 10 a.m. <laughs> It could take all day. The thing on the box that it takes uh, typically 10 hours for two people to complete this, which, by the way, I've done this kind of thing before. It does not take 10 hours. It takes 10 days. <laughs> fucking ridiculous. So, Dan, it's been a pleasure. For, for the fans that want to hear more of this gorgeous voice of yours, why don't you tell them where, what, where they can check you out? Well, they can check me out my neighborhood as I yell and scream at everyone in my house. <laughs> or they can check out Critical Mass Podcast on every platform available. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Dan. I appreciate your time. Thank you, buddy. I'll see you uh, on the flip side. See ya. Bye. You've got Gutsy Media Podcast. Leave a message about any movies you've covered and maybe we'll add to the show. Thanks. Shaun of the Dead is a fantastic must-watch movie. Way ahead of its time with anything zombie-related. It hit the post-zombie crush of the 80s, the, the kind of cheeky terribleness of that era. Uh, the Romero's, after that, there's nothing, and then there's Shaun of the Dead. And then after that, there's a zombie explosion, Bukaki of zombies everywhere that you see in, in today's society. And it's all because of Shaun of the Dead. Such a fun, playful, real-life depiction of what it possibly could be like if there were dumbass zombies running around and you have a, a moron friend and you got to get to the bar because that's the only safe place because you're idiots. They didn't have this, this planned out well. Everybody knows today you need a zombie plan, and it's all because of Shaun of the Dead. Great movie, must watch. Simon Pegg, hilarious. That guy whose name no one knows, equally funny. And then they have great supporting cast of, you know, moderately known British actors who, you know, don't translate well into American cinema generally, but since this is Shaun of the Dead, it works well. Anyway, fuck the British. 1776, all day long.